Good morning. Uh, so good to get to spend time together in God's Word. You know, the, the last uh, couple of weeks have been real interesting in my sermon preparation. Uh, never so much have I, have I made changes midweek and different things. Last week I started in on a sermon and then uh, felt like Romans 8 was more appropriate because it's going to be the first time we were getting together in person uh, in several months. And so we switched and then I went back to where I was the week before and started to look at that. Uh, but then just everything happening this week, I, I got to a place where Saturday morning uh, I scrapped the entire thing uh, and started over with something that I just feel like God was laying on my heart for us as a church. And so if you would uh, pray with me and then we're going to spend time together in God's word. God, I pray that you would lead and guide our time, that you would speak powerfully through your word. Uh, to, to everyone that would watch and spend time together under your word as we, as we come. Uh, I pray that all those that would hear it would be, uh, that you would be leading and guiding and teaching us, that you'd be taking the truth of your word and applying it to our hearts and our minds, that you'd help us to see more fully uh, who you are and what you have for us. Uh, we thank you. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week, uh, a week and a half ago or so, I was sitting on my front porch uh, in the pouring rain, uh, as I often like to do when it's raining, I like to sit out there and uh, just enjoy the beauty of it. And as I was sitting there, uh, I was writing and reading and listening to music, and there was a song that just kind of gripped me. Uh, it's one that I'd heard hundreds of times before as my uh, phone was on, uh, I think it was just on shuffle. And it was actually a really old song, a song by uh, Bob Dylan called The Times are a changing and it's a uh, quite popular been around for a long time but the, the third verse i always loved it says come senators congressmen please heed the call don't stand in the doorway don't block up the hall for he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled there's a battle outside and it's raging it'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the times they are a changing and so i wrote that down halfway through the week as i started on my sermon and uh, this week, as I re- revisited uh, my sermon, I went back to it, and, and I finished uh, maybe Thursday morning, which is what I normally try to do. But then I started to hear of a video uh, of a man named George Floyd, who was killed in Minneapolis on Monday by a police officer as he was in custody. And uh, I had finished my sermon. I'd gone over it Friday morning. Uh, I actually saw the video for the first time. And it haunted me. It was so profoundly disturbing uh, that in the video, uh, it was recorded by people standing right next to this man being arrested. And an officer had him pinned down with a knee to his throat. And uh, Mr. Floyd laid on the ground. And he was pleading, saying he couldn't breathe. And people watching were saying he's in trouble and he can't breathe. And the police continued with what they were doing. And this man, Mr. Floyd, was killed uh, in their custody. So Friday night, uh, when is my habit uh, to go over my sermon for this week? It had been finished on Thursday, and I started to walk. And I started to go down the street to try to walk through it in my mind, as I often do. It's easier for me when I'm walking, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do that sermon. And I had the Bob Dylan song in my mind. There's a battle outside, a raging and uh, as I knew from just the past that Dylan had written that song in the heights of the civil rights movement and what he was trying to get across. And suddenly, 
I was so uncomfortable preaching a sermon that I was so excited about a few hours before. A sermon that I believe is biblically true and faithful to the text and one that I worked on all week. But suddenly, uh, by Friday night, I felt like I couldn't do that sermon, that God didn't want me to do that sermon. And so yesterday, I came and I rewrote uh, this whole thing very quickly. And so please forgive me if it's not uh, particularly polished or maybe a little bit scattered. But I do believe it's what I need to tell you uh, what God wants us to hear as our church. And so there's just three things that I want to share in light of what's happening, what I see around us. And the first thing is this, that all men and women are created in God's image. And with that comes dignity and respect because they are made in God's image. And so in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, it said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. But then a little later in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God, God speaks to Noah. And he says this in Genesis 9, 6. He says, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for God has made man in his own image and he gives this uh, direction that life is precious because we are made in God's image and so every single human being that you come into contact in your life is made in God's image it doesn't matter where they grew up what they do for a living the color of their skin their background their past mistakes what you would see, they are image bearers of the creator of the universe. God had made in God's image and after his likeness. And God says we are to treat every single one with dignity and respect to all people. There is no exception. And so, although some downplay it today or you may not hear it uh, trumpeted loudly in our climate today. But during the civil rights movement when Martin Luther King Jr. was leading and, and, and preaching and, and passionately for uh, the civil rights, for all people to be treated with dignity and respect, he actually rooted and grounded his argument in this, that we are all made in the image of God. Dr. King pointed this out over and over again. I was reading uh, just uh, yesterday morning in a sermon entitled The American Dream. Dr. King says this, you see, the Founding Fathers were really influenced by the Bible. The whole concept of Imago Dei, as it is expressed in Latin, the image of God, is the idea that all men have something within that God injected. Not that they have substantial unity with God, but every man has the capacity to have fellowship with God. And this gives him a uniqueness. It gives him a worth. It gives him dignity. And we must never forget this as a nation. There are no gradations in the image of God. And I love that statement, the way he says that. There's no gradations in the image of God. Every man from the treble white to a base black is significant on God's keyboard. Precisely because every man is made in the image of God. And one day we will learn that. We will know one day that God made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. 
And so this week, when you see the video of Mr. Floyd, who's not being treated with dignity and respect, this is a trampling on our fellow image bearer of God. And if you can watch the video of this man as he's pinned to the ground and he's pleading for his life, and he's asking over and over again, saying, I can't breathe. And you can watch that video and not be deeply moved and truly saddened. You need to hear this. And it's very simple. Repent. Weep and lament over the injustice that is sin. It is sin because this man was made in God's image. And he deserves the dignity Dignity and respect that comes with that as an image bearer of God. George Floyd was knit together in his mother's womb by our Creator. He was a man that was made in God's image. And with that deserving all the value and dignity that comes with it. And when something like this happens, and let's be clear, it happens far too often all over the world. We are called to weep and lament. We need to recognize, as it says in Romans 8, that we just looked at last week, that the creation is groaning under the weight of sin. And so far as we understand God and His creation and His love for His people, we will be mourning and weeping over any injustice of any brother and sister that is created in God's image. And so the first thing is simply this. All people are made in God's image and they deserve the dignity and respect. But the second thing I want us to consider is when there is injustice, we as people who are seeking to follow God, to love Him, to do as we say here at Coda almost every single week, to grow in the obedience to Jesus in every area of our lives. If that is who we are and who we claim to be, we must speak up for these things, these injustices. The prophet Micah writing, at a time of great wickedness and injustice all around him, very famously says, it's a verse that's often quoted in Micah 6.8, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? The context Micah says here is that Uh, Does God really want you to be uh, busy with religious activity, going through the motions, doing all sorts of things while while at the same time ignoring justice all around you? And he says, no. And the verse is quoted so often because it's such a good summary of how God wants us to live, to walk humbly with God, to die to ourselves, to seek to honor and desire the things that God loves. Because this is rooted and grounded in who God is and who we are in Him. He is perfect in every way. He's perfect justice and mercy and love and care for His creation. And the pinnacle of His creation, the one thing that is made in His image is man. And it's all men and all women. And so to walk humbly with God and to do justice and to love mercy is most literally has that connotation of seeking justice out of a merciful love. Out of the love for those around us that we want to see God's justice. 
And so that act of, uh, of seeking justice flows out of a heart that is compelled by merciful love. And so when the Bible tells us that we're to seek justice, it carries more than just punishment for wrongdoing. Although it certainly would be partly that. But it also means to give people their rights. It's giving people what they are due, whether punishment or protection or care. And so if there are some amongst us that are getting uh, disproportionate, disproportional unfair treatment, injustice, what it means to walk humbly with the Lord, to do justice, is to use your voice and the weight that you have for those that are in need. To speak the truth. To love those people around us, no matter where they are or their situation or what's happening. To stand with them wherever they are and to ignore it to turn a blind eye to it, to shrug it off, to redirect and make it into some sort of political argument in a different way is to not walk humbly with the Lord loving the things that God loves. So there are serious and deep issues that contribute in all these ways and all the things that we see around us. And and just to admit, I feel wholly inadequate to speak intelligently on all the reasons the things that we see around us, the things that we see happening over and over again. But at the same time, I also feel uh, confident to say that we, as followers of Jesus, that want to honor him, will always seek to stand against the horrors of injustice, of racism, abuse of power, wherever it is. Forgive me, but I I often think in songs, and maybe it's just because I listen often when I'm writing and when I'm reading and when I'm thinking. But when I think about that call that God gives his followers to love justice, to do justice and love mercy and to walk humbly with him as one that wants to honor him and and love those that are around us. It it makes me think of a song uh, that Bruce Springsteen wrote called The Ghost of Tom Joad. The song is based on Tom Joad, a character in John Steinbeck's uh, book The Grapes of Wrath. Maybe you had to read it in, in college or, or high school, you remember. But Tom Joad in the book is a character who, who decides to take up for injustice. He sees so many horrible things in the way people are treated. And there's a famous speech at the end of the book, and the song actually kind of paraphrases it loosely. But in the song, it says at the end, now Tom says, Mom, wherever there's a cop beating a guy, Wherever a hungry newborn baby cries, wherever there's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air, look for me, Ma, I'll be there. And that song came to mind because that line is true, and it should be true of those that love God and seek justice and want mercy. We are called to speak up for those that are in need, to walk humbly with Him. And so the first thing is all men and women are created in God's image and deserve the dignity and respect that come with that. But all those that seek to love and walk with God, we are to speak against injustice wherever it is. We are to be marked and known as people that in any way, not just punishment for wrongdoing, but for care and giving rights to those that are are being trampled, that are not getting those. But then lastly, I want to make sure that we root this in the why. As we consider how we go forward and what it looks like. 
my sermon this morning and we'll, that I had been planning, and we'll, we'll come back to it uh, next week, was in Philippians chapter 2. And so I just want to read Philippians 2, 1 to 8. So hear what God's Word says. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being in the likeness, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul tells us that we are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but count others as more significant than ourselves. And the reason he gives is he roots and grounds that in Jesus and what he's done for us and who we are in him. But I want to tie these things together as we see what it says about who we are in Jesus. And so please forgive me, there is so much more that could be said on this topic there's so many more things that uh, I hope in the near future we'll continue to flesh out together and look through Scripture and study it uh, with one another. But there's two things that I, I just want to point out here. Paul says, count others as more significant than ourselves. And I want you to think about the direct connection with standing with those that are experiencing injustice around us. In the case of George Floyd, how would you react if that was your brother or your sister or your loved one or someone that you were closely tied to. Now, how do you count this man and the injustice as more significant than yourself? How do you count him as more significant than yourself? We look not only to our own interests, but the interests of others. And so we speak up. We are called to care for one another, especially when there is such grave injustice, because God is a God of justice. And biblically speaking, the church, that those who love, just, uh, love Jesus should be leading the, car, the charge against this injustice wherever it's found and whatever it looks like. We should be marked as people that are quick to speak for those things because this glorifies God and it shows what he's like and who he is. And so because we love God and because we love others and because we love justice and we want to make sure that those things are held up, because we love our fellow human beings that are made in God's image, we count them as more valuable than ourselves. And so we should be doing such. But then the second thing I want you to consider is practically how do I count others more significant than myself in my own sphere of influence? In the light of something like this happening, how do we do that well? And I mean to say this in the most humble way possible, and I hope it's taken that way. But when you hear something like George Floyd and his death happening, this grave injustice, the kind of thing uh, that is so near and dear to God's heart, and you see people, you see people 
especially our brothers and sisters of color, lamenting and struggling and being gutted over what happens. Maybe taking it differently than you would or experiencing differently in the way that you would. Instead of being quick to offer your opinion or your critique or some sort of political view or or talking point, would you not? Would you just stop and listen? Would you count others more significant than yourself? Would you weep with those that weep and mourn with those that mourn? Listen to those around you that may be experiencing this in a different way than you are. And I say this, I want to tell you a story that profoundly affected me a couple years ago. I hope it makes sense of what I'm saying here. I was at a gathering for Acts 29 and a brother in Christ uh, who is a pastor in the Acts 29 network who also happens to be black shared a story. And it was in the context of several men sharing stories of things that they had experienced and the racism that they had come up against in their own lives. And it was deeply uh, illuminating to just sit and listen to these brothers as they recounted these stories. But there was one story in particular that just stood out in my mind as, as this friend told about being a boy growing up in inner city Philadelphia. And he recounted being outside in their neighborhood, kind of in front of their house on the stoop there, in the front of his house with his dad and his uncle and some other men and kids playing around. And he told the story of how the police pulled up and grabbed his uncle because he fit the description of a man that they were looking for. And he said they began to beat him in the street in front of them. To severely beat him on nothing more than the the suspicion that he matched the description. And as a young boy, as he stood there and watched this horrific event unfolding in front of him, the dispatcher came over the radio, the policeman's radio, and said they had caught the man they were looking for, that they could cancel the APB. They now had the man in custody. So obviously this means the man they were beating, the man that was laying in the street bloodied, was not the culprit. And so they stopped and they left and they left them laying there in the street, beaten and bloody on the ground. My friend said is a boy that witnessed this turned to his father and said to him, we have to do something. This is not right. And his dad looked back at his son and said, who are we going to call? And I I heard that story, and I heard him tell that story. And then he went on to talk about whenever something like what happened to George Floyd happens. In his house, they weep, and they lament, and they wail. And go, it's happening again. He said, I go in, and I hug my sons, and I'm overwhelmed that they may face something like this in the place where they live. And I'm overwhelmed that it's happening again. And so as I listened to him tell that story, it was so clear to me that I didn't understand it the way he did. To count others as more significant, I needed to just shut up and listen. 
I'm going to end here and tell you why I say all that. Here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. Humble yourselves and count others more significant than yourselves. And so whatever you want to say in those moments, or whatever opinion you may have, or the things that you may say, or you run to social media and I'm going to say this, or I'm going to say that, would you humble yourself and listen? And here's why. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is who we are in Jesus. We are called to die to ourselves and love others the way Jesus did. You are now united with Christ. And Paul says you now have the mind of Christ. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Count others more significant than yourself. Do you see Paul's reasoning? Because this is what Jesus has done for you. In the most profound act of humility, he's humbled himself to the point of death. And he's come to you. And he's done for you what you can't do for yourself. And as we come to faith in him, and we see it's all what he's done for us, that he's counted us as more significant, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we could never do it ourselves, he does it for us. And now we're united with him, and to have the mind of Christ means that we would do the same for others, that we would love them in the way Jesus has loved us, that we would humble ourselves and weep with those that weep, that we would love those around us. And so I pray that we would humble ourselves that we would speak the truth, that we would be known as people that love others the way God has loved us. Use your life to glorify God and who He is in all things. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank You for the glory of what You've done for us in Jesus. We do pray that right now in the midst of this time, our, our world is a mess and we see the marks of sin all around us. I pray that You would help us to speak the truth, to love people, to stand for those that cannot stand for themselves, to use uh, our voices to speak boldly and powerfully about what is true, about who you are, who we are in you, who our brothers and sisters are. We pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment on how to do that well, that it would honor you, that it would love those around us. We thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.